0: Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis, and joining me is Brenna Calvert.
1: Yay, glad to be joining this time.
0: <laughs> we've been uh, we've been out of the loop for a while, but like I always say, we are athletes first, so that takes priority. And we've been real busy for the last couple of weeks. Uh, before we get to what we've been up to and some of those race highlights and some of the stuff you want to hear about, Uh, we'll take a quick second to say a big thank you to our sponsors. Uh, So this episode is brought to you by Atomic Climbing Holds. If you haven't gone over and checked out AtomicClimbingHolds.com, definitely go over there and check them out. That's what I use to train for rigs. They have uh, different attachments like balls and uh, the big cannonballs and then the nunchucks and bananas and ice cream cones and all sorts of crazy stuff that can help improve your grip strength. They also have a section of their website that sends you free holds So basically, all you do is pay for shipping, and they include that with your order. Um, Brenna, your thoughts on Atomic?
1: Yeah, always make sure you check out the holds of the day and stuff like that, because it's always an added bonus to get something free and extra. But, um, yeah, definitely if you want to work on that grip strength or get comfortable on rigs, which every race nowadays is throwing a rig at you, so Atomic Holds is where it's at. They're... Grip never seems to wear off, no matter how much you use them. I've used them inside, outside. Um, I even used my atomic holds for conquer the gauntlet race, and they withstood all the mud and hundreds of people, participants going through. But check them out, because they have every shape you could think of. I mean, along with he mentioned um, a banana, who knew? But they have like a a book, so it's kind of like square and just awkward, but it gets your grip ready for what any race could throw at you. So worth checking out and getting yourself a couple holds to practice at home or take to the gym with you.
0: Good stuff. So now uh, let's get into the big announcement. So, Brenna, you recently had a change in your, I guess, employment or status. Let's cover that first.
1: So I guess I'm, it's happy and bittersweet at the same time. Um, I am currently no longer on CTG Conquer the Gauntlet Build Crew. Um, not for any bad reason or anything like that, but it's exciting because now I am getting back to racing and training. So being on Build Crew was amazing and my passion still is there for putting on a great race and being a part of a great company. But, um, it was taking away from being able to train. Who knew after working 12 hours outside that you really didn't want to train? And then I was missing all the good races. And I really just missed racing CTG and Savage Race and everywhere else. So it took up two of my weekends. And now it's getting back to competing and racing and just in time for um, U.S. championships coming up and world championships. So I was excited that as this kind of happened and I made the decision, it was a very hard decision. But um, I actually was able and welcomed on board with Yancy Culp as a full time coach. So it kind of happened all together. Things just fell in line that um he took me on as a full time athlete. So my training is back on point, and I literally went from full time build crew to unemployed real fast, <laughs> and started training and racing and. Been three weeks in a row of racing now, so I'm I'm back to it fully. and super excited and pumped to be at the start line with everybody, back in the corral, and getting super anxious and nervous at the start line, and just back to what I love.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you back back on the start line. I think that's that's where you belong. So welcome back. Exactly,
1: like you said, we're athletes first, so I had to get back to being an athlete.
0: <laughs> so my big change in the last uh, two months. Is I've recently moved to Kansas City, so I've moved from Tennessee over to Kansas City. I uh, got involved with KCOCR, so the local Kansas City obstacle course race group here. Uh, that that means my home race is now going to be CPG XTC, which is Conquer the Gauntlets combined event that they do with the Extreme Timber Challenge. I think it's the last week in September or first week in October. Can't remember which last, one. Last
1: last week in September. It's there actually you go. the. 29th, I believe of September yep
0: so yeah that's uh that's a great race they last year they the first third was a lot of trail running and kind of natural obstacles and then they crammed like an entire CTG course into two miles so it was obstacle dense and I remember <laughs> I remember finishing up those last five walls and my arms were just like completely pumped out um so I was having trouble like grabbing anything and I was like, oh I'm glad we're done with the obstacles for a little bit so. <laughs> Uh, but
1: yeah, and we're actually we're in the same state now. Technically, I guess for a little bit, I'm I'm in Kansas.
0: <laughs> well, te- I I technically live on the Missouri side, so I'm in Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri. So yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's all technical like that. Who knew? And you got some good training areas around there, right? And I mean, we have Pro Team member Lucas Fonestale is close by, so you get um, training buddies along with KCOCR and a couple of cool training areas around there, huh?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, KCOCR just did a workout at Apex gym on Monday. So right around lunchtime, a bunch of people just met up there and we hit it hard for about an hour and a half and went about our day. It was great. It's nice. Nice having That's a awesome. strong OCR community uh, around you. Um, I've I was going to say
1: it's great having like a group.
0: Yeah. I've been used to training on my own for so long that, uh, it's, it's a nice change, so oh, Actually, man, I
1: mean you're stepping up stepping up the training, so now you got like buddies, you're gonna get even more crazy and do crazier and better things.
0: I feel like my main problem is lack of time, like at some point, you just run out of hours in a day, and I feel like <laughs> I am right around that that point where I just simply run out of time, so but I you know it's it's always nice to uh, be a little more social in your training and exactly. I, and. and- and I, I will say, I did have a running uh, friends when I was in Tennessee, so I had a great running group that I I made friends with out there, and they uh, we used to train almost daily up in the morning. They were pure runners, so.
1: Well, and I know that, like, the KCACR group and area is really glad to have you, whether, you know, like, you get the bonus of them, but I know that they will enjoy training with you and learning from you and everything that you will bring to that group, so lucky everybody involved and that's awesome you know congratulations on the move and getting settled in again
0: yep and i just finished setting up my office actually yesterday so if you head over to my facebook page uh, i posted like one of those panoramic 360 type pictures of it it's pretty sweet um so yeah i all, can
1: vouch for how sweet it was <laughs>
0: it's got all like i got all my race medals and you know jerseys on the wall and stuff like that so it's a good place for podcast recordings and typing articles and uh writing books stuff like that and took all my medals and i separated them into like first second third and then uh four through tenth finishes so i have like four different sections of medals
1: that's so. pretty cool i that's, always like seeing how people come up with like different ideas to decorate or memorabilia and things and it's always just really inspiring other people's stuff when you see you're like oh my gosh look at all that bling and pictures and just memories it's great to see and inspire you while you're doing all your awesome media and writing for the community
0: yeah i used to have them i used to have all my medals like separate onto this little it's like a little shelf like a four or five small thin shelf thing and they really get kind of crammed in there and like seeing them spread out across the room is it's a little bit nicer i gotta say so um yeah inspiration for it.
1: So I'm excited. I guess we can start getting into the good, the good details that everybody likes to hear about. And that's all the different races. And again, we don't do this just to talk about what we do and like how we do it at a race, but to more so bring to the community what's out there for everybody to get involved in. And, um, I was happy. So the coolest thing ever that happened, I think recently to both of us was my first race back and like experience and everything was going to Beirut, Lebanon for Hannibal race.
0: Yeah, so let's let's run through that. So uh, this episode, we'll we'll definitely talk about Hannibal Race. Um, stick around after that. We'll talk about Savage Chicago, Shell Hell, and then Conquer the Gauntlet, Iowa. So starting off with Hannibal Race, I would say it is by far and like this is head and shoulders above the most ridiculous experience I've had as an athlete. Period. It was <laughs> it was like I'm trying to figure out how to describe it to people because it was like absolutely insane. I mean, we stepped off the plane and a mean. And Kareem, the two two owners of Hannibal Race, treated us like celebrities for four days in Lebanon. I mean, we stayed at the – I would say it's the nicest hotel I've ever stayed at. Um, you yeah, know, we they, – they they took us on, like, basically sightseeing stuff before the race. So we got to go swim in the Mediterranean. We went to the old uh, market. We went to Byblos, which is, like, uh historic Phoenician location where they have – essentially archaeological finds from every period in history it's pretty crazy um let's see what else we do went out to eat at a whole bunch of nice restaurants
1: oh my gosh the food alone Jeez. i mean let's start off with saying that i know i know i was told so many times or like asked why are you going to lebanon or really you're crazy if you're going to lebanon i mean it was never really on my like go-to places but um I would definitely recommend people adding, if you like traveling and marking places off the map in the world, I mean, Beirut, Lebanon was pretty amazing just outside of the race venue itself. And, I mean, besides being treated like royalty, literally, it was just, I mean, I they treated us, they called us world-class athletes, which I kind of giggled at, but, I mean, <laughs> if that's what they want to call us, okay. <laughs> but the food in Lebanon, Lebanese know how to eat, let's just say. It was the most I've enjoyed, like veggies and hummus and everything was so fresh. And it's all kind of like tapas where you just get like a bunch of small plates and fill the table with way too much stuff and everybody shares. And it's basically like eating is kind of an event to them. And they they eat and then they're ready to plan their next meal with friends and family. So it's just like community feel. And that was amazing. But, yeah, like Evan said, I mean – swimming in the Mediterranean Sea, and actually just seeing the town. So before even mentioning the race, I would add Lebanon to your list. I mean, we were treated graciously. There was English speaking everywhere. French was everywhere. I mean, I almost wouldn't have known that I was in such an obscure foreign country unless you kept reminding me. So it was really cool to see and experience.
0: I will say that. So technically, Lebanon is on the State Department's travel warning list. So the State Department does not necessarily recommend you travel there. That being said, so there's bad areas and there's good areas. Um, we obviously only went to the nice areas and avoided all the bad areas. Like, even the locals were like, oh, Tripoli, which is, you know, maybe an hour and a half north of Beirut. They're like, oh, yeah, we, we don't even go up there. So, like, th- there are certain areas you don't go to. Tripoli north, north of Beirut, you don't go to um, kind of the southern end. Uh, a lot of Shia down there, you know, they're obviously not super friendly with Israel, <laughs> located to their south. But, so th- there are bad areas, just like, you know, I compare it to Baltimore uh, or Washington, D.C., which is where I went to school and uh, grew up for uh, part of the beginning of my life. But, you know, there's areas of Baltimore I I do not recommend going to. Uh, same thing with Beirut. The only difference is they, you know, they they may not speak English as well. Like Brenna said, pretty much everyone you run into spoke English, or at least we went into. Like I said, because we were in the touristy areas and in the uh, uh, nicer Christian areas. So,
1: But like you said, I was we were really comfortable, and then our hosts were amazing. And, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I lived in Atlanta, and there's certain places you don't go. So it's like, it's anywhere. So, I mean, if you're nervous about it or, weird, you know, do your research, go with someone that has been before or whatever. But... They have OCR, so you can make a destination race out of it if you like. I mean, you went to Australia, people go to Europe, but they're trying to grow and bring obstacle course racing to the community, and I feel like they did a really good job of it, and so it's definitely something to check out. Um, But, yeah, getting it. Oh, go ahead.
0: That was their sixth race ever, right? So they started in 2014, so there's six races in, and the quality they put on for their sixth race is – is insane right like it was it was very good uh Brenna and I started talking afterwards and we're like you know well, what would you improve and initially we were just kind of like everything went really well you know uh we really had to like sit down and kind of nitpick stuff to be to like really find any improves um so
1: yeah it was rough I mean we were we had to sit down while we were poolside with our Bloody Mary and fancy water <laughs> <laughs> and really think on what was something that could be improved on but Yeah, it was, um, I mean, just to begin with, like the, the festival area, I mean, that's the first thing that you kind of, you notice when you walk up to a race is what's going on in the festival. And it was comparable, if not better, to most American OCR festivals that I've been to. Agreed. And between like their sponsors and partners, um, with Red Bull and Puma, they had athlete tents and shade tents. And things like that you know take care of spectators and to take care of the athletes there was bag check they had music that was playing throughout the entire festival so you could hear it on course and in the festival and they had like actual gear and um items to go check out from sponsors and partners so that right there was like okay first impression you know i wasn't expecting that and then i was wowed immediately
0: yeah and then uh you know, people were dressed normal, I would say, for OCR, right? So, there was p- guys that were shirtless. There was girls in sports bras. There was people in uh, tank tops, you know, T-shirts, standard start line proce- you know, procedures, basically. Uh, they did have a military-only wave. So, the first wave of the day was their military elite wave. that so was timed. Uh, they also had an elite wave for n- mixed gender, so men and women at the same time, and... The, I would say the one thing that they are head and shoulders above the world in is television coverage. They had a three-hour live block on TV where they live stream the event. And they're interviewing the owners. They're interviewing athletes. You know, it's, it's a big deal. Like when we left the race and went back to the hotel, people were like, oh, yeah, we saw you on TV. You know, and they knew, they knew about the race, you know, because fairly small country – so it's being broadcast live on TV. So like this is a big deal. Like everyone is tracking what's going on. So that was really cool and something. You know, hopefully one day o- OCR in America hits that level or um, where you know we're willing to dedicate live coverage instead of uh, recording it and then playing it back later.
1: Well, and that's what's funny. It's like, yeah, we're behind the times from Lebanon like, on OCR in America catch up because, yeah, I got you and I both. I mean, I was interviewed on live TV in Lebanon, and we got shout-outs and coverage. Twice, and-
0: yeah. You you had a, you had tw- two interviews. You had a pre-race and a post-race. And if yeah. you if you head over to my Facebook page, you'd have to scroll back till when we're in Lebanon, which you should be able to find pretty easy because there's, like, 20 posts in a row about it. <laughs> Uh, but I have actually no, I know I just put it on the team I, I put it on my strength and speed website, so if you go to teamstrengthspeed.com/media, there's a link on there that has to the the live coverage with time hacks. So it tells you you know where we're being interviewed and what's going on. Um, so they yeah they while I'm crawling through the mud, uh, the owner Kareen read my bio on air. You know I I can't understand most of it because it's in Arabic, but she's like you know blah 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 24 hours blah 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 blah. <laughs> Las Vegas, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so Br- let's l- let's get to the actual race though. Like, Brenna, how did you do?
1: Oh, man. So, yeah, this was definitely, this was my first race since May, and the race was in July last month. Yeah, so um, it had been a few months since I'd been racing. And I was really nervous because I was already told that the very first bit of the race was straight up to a mountain hill i don't know i think it's a mountain because it was huge to me but um basically they start you off and send you straight up a mountain and it breaks up the field which was great you know they kind of spread out the runners there's no bottlenecking and i didn't know what to expect because of course i've never been around lebanese athletes and by just looking at them like in their athletic clothes and muscles and showing off i was like all right okay there's some competition here because that's what i do i first get in my own head and get all psyched out and um everyone was like you got this you got this so um it was great i kind of compared it you know like getting up the mountain in the beginning was rough but it reminded me of like i guess spartan sprint ish just in the distance and they use like the terrain made it harder than it was um nothing crazy hard on obstacles but the mountain and then it was very rocky so like you had to watch every step every footing was rocks and then I never thought anything could be worse than a bunch of rocks but they have their vegetation and plant life there was thorns like everything was spiky.
0: (laughs) It hurts so bad (laughs) going uphill I don't really remember maybe because my heart rate was so high that's what I was worried about but like the second half of the race I specifically remember running and being like Oh, the thorn's so deep in my foot. I was like, I'm just yeah. going to keep running. I'm going to keep running. It'll go away.
1: Well, that's what, I mean, I, I don't remember them on the hill either, and so I don't think they were on the hill. I think they they tricked us because you get up there, and then, yeah, like all of a sudden you start your first descent, and there's just, you can't avoid them because they were tall, and they were short and flat on the ground, and they had this, like, bluish-purple look where it almost looked like barbed wire was, like, rolling on the ground, and it was all spikes. And I remember the worst one was because I actually, I started off in the lead and then this girl all of a sudden just flies up the mountain. She's like, oh, this trail's rough. And she just like trudged along and just took off up the hill. And I was like, well, there that goes. All right. <laughs> and then luckily I just kept thinking, okay, you'll get her in an obstacle. You'll get her in an obstacle. And sure enough, I'm happy to say I'm proficient in obstacles, not like the fastest, but I get through them all well. And so I would catch her every time on the obstacle. And then on the downhill, I'd fly by her, and it would go back up another hill, and she'd pass me again. But it was right when I kind of, like, gained, like, a decent little lead that I got this massive thorn, and it went, like, straight in my little toe. And then it was one of those, like, I wanted to stop so bad, but I, I couldn't. Like, there was no time to stop. And I just knew, uh-oh, it's now, like, embedded in my shoe, through the sock, and this it, every step hurt. But whatever, nothing like, you know, a little pain to make you go just a little bit faster sort to finish and yeah so i mean going through they had your basic obstacles so i was really excited to see you had monkey bars they had slant walls with ropes uh bar bar crawl which i hate um i think they did like a over under through type of situation um and they even threw in which is cool because i've never encountered quintuple steps in a race so like if you know enjoy usually the very first obstacle where you have like little squares that you bound across had that in the race so that was something different and unique which was awesome um and so we finished like you come you go up down i think you go back up and then like your final descent and it brings you into their festival area and they kind of called it the battle of kane which is like representation of a historic battle and they basically like stacked oh man i can't remember maybe like five or six obstacles just kind of in the festival area And it was great for spectator viewing, they had their live TV coverage, and it basically just, it didn't give you an easy finish, because it was like their rope climb, and a big old cargo net A-frame, and a traverse wall, and a crawl, and a fire jump, and a tire crawl, that was all like in the festival area at the last minute. So um, I get to that part, and I'm like very happy, I I know I'm in the lead, and I'm, I'm in first, and pushing it, and smiling on my face, and it was just, it was awesome feeling because again like I said it was my first race back but here was the the funny part so I crossed the finish line I'm like yay okay awesome wow I can't believe I actually pulled off first like I wasn't expecting that and um second place girl came in and again everybody was just so welcoming and gracious and like everybody wanted selfies with you and I and I kept looking like they'd come up to me and ask to take a picture and you'd stand there and they're like no you too and then like they'd ask you for a picture and they'd be like no you too talking to me and it was just funny because they had announced prior to the event that you and I were coming and basically doing media and, you know, going to support them. So, again, the racers, not only, like, the or the owners treated us like famous people, but the racers just were so excited because, you know, they had American athletes that are well-known in the sport community there to support and share in the fun. And um, so, yeah, we had fun at the finish line and awesome medals. And then, so I'm like, okay, cool, first place, yeah. And then they come up to me and they're like, so right now you're still in first. See the rest of the results. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, this is where the whole, like, language barrier ends because I didn't know when I started the race that there were actually three competitive waves. So that really kind of throws off your mindset when you don't know that after you finish. So I was like, oh, man. Okay, well, cross your fingers. But um, I'm very happy to say that my time stuck and kept me – I wound up second place by, like, 30 seconds. So, for my first race back, I was so excited and in a very foreign country, new race, new everything to come away with second place. So, that was amazing. I mean, couldn't ask for anything better after that. But, I mean, you had – so, talk about your race because I remember you've done it before a few times, right?
0: Yeah, so I've done I've done that specific course once before, and I've done a they did like a smaller special version in uh, Alkar Lebanon, which is right by the U.S. Embassy.
1: Gotcha. So you kind of like knew a little bit about your competition ish, and then you kind of knew the course. So we take off from the start line, and Evan is just like gone. I mean, I've seen Evan run before, but. <laughs> It was just
0: like way out there. I was like, hey. it was a little down. It was a little downhill. I was staying. I was staying at a comfortable place. Um, it was fast, but I was downhill, and then we hit the uphill, and you know the heart started pumping, and uh, the pure runners, the, the guys who are used to running those mountains, took off and dropped a couple positions. We hit a couple obstacles. I gained a couple spots back, and I finished about sixth in my wave, and then. With the other ways, I think I ended up in eighth overall. So uh, previously I finished fifth at that event uh, about two years ago. So good to see the competition getting a little
1: better. Yeah, it just shows you that they're getting more and more people and becoming more competitive, and that's what I mean. Talking to Amin, the owner, like if you check out Mud Run Guide, everybody, there was an awesome interview we did like the day before the race, and Amin got to talk about, why he wants to do CR and why he wants to bring it to Lebanon. And it was just inspiring to hear. It's not just like a race owner just wanting to make money, but he basically just wants to get the community involved and all, not just that you jump over, but like life obstacles. So I know he was also, um, we had, I mean, as a guest on the podcast, so he talks about it there a couple episodes ago. So definitely check that out. Listen to another great race owner, race director and their perspective on the sport. So, um, like you said, I mean, I would agree. I've already, we, I mean, we sat down, we got to go to dinner with Amin afterwards, and I I know I want to go back. I already told Amin that I would love to go back next year, but this time I'm hoping to kind of go maybe take Tracy, my boyfriend, with me and actually, like, go help with the build and see how they do it, because sure, I'm not on build crew anymore, but, like, when we got to the race, I'm walking up to the obstacles and, like, looking at their cargo net and looking at their bolts and, like, seeing how they actually built it and did it. And, I mean, like I said, it's was comparable to everything here, and obstacles were safe and well-built and well-structured. So I want to go back and help build, and you'll probably go back and race again.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be awesome. Uh, again, fantastic experience. Can't say enough good things about Amin and Kareen and all the athletes and their interaction with us over in Lebanon. So uh, it's just a big thank you to all of them. Uh, we will have... I am looking to try to get some of the Lebanese athletes on the podcast in the future. Hopefully, a little when it gets a little closer to OCRWC, and we find out who are actually coming to the event. So I'd love to. I'm planning on doing like a pre-race one and then kind of a post-race one, kind of. Oh yeah, experience. I don't did we
1: even did we mention that's what um, this was their first time OCRWC qualifier event for Lebanon. So we're hoping to add another country to the. The CRWC world and represent and just keep spreading the love. So yeah, that'll be really exciting to see. Um, hopefully, make it to Canada. And I know I believe Amin said he was gonna go and you know try to represent series. So um, that's exciting. So add that to your calendar if you're if you're wanting to look for a new destination race and not do the same European ones or if you've already done them. I would check out Hannibal race definitely.
0: Yep, so I guess absolutely.
1: That was that was three weeks ago. So, what did you do after Hannibal Race? You did something crazy the next weekend, didn't you?
0: <laughs> I did. Uh, so, at the beginning of the year, I decided I was going to do this ultra OCR Grand Slam, what I was calling it. So, I was going to do every 24-hour obstacle course race in the world, and the goal was to not just, you know, step on the start line and, and finish, but to actually do well at them. Uh, fast forward, they were, we went from four races in the year to five, and then to six, Um And then they moved one of the races. Long story short, I was going to go to Shell Hell, the 24-hour event in Benson, Vermont, uh, located at the Shell Hill facility, uh, one of the permanent obstacle courses. And they moved the event to the same weekend as Toughest Mudder Chicago, which I had already signed up for and which is a CBS televised event. So that's one of my A races for the year. Anyway, I still wanted to hit my goal of doing all the 24-hour obstacle course races, um, in the world, or at least over a 365 day stretch. We'll see if, we'll see if Spartan puts on this Iceland one or not, but, um, so I I couldn't make the actual event. So I said, I talked to the owner and I was like, I'm going to come up, um, next weekend and I'm going to run your event with the same exact rules, but I'm going to be the only one there. And he was like, okay, cool. Yeah, no problem. So I went up, did a quick, some, some media coverage for them. Uh, we did a little video on Motorun Guy talking about uh, Shell Hell and events they have coming up, and hopefully I want to get Rob on the podcast a little later, the owner, Rob Butler. Uh, covered some Synergy Sports products, one of my sponsors who also makes some great training tools, and then uh, with my dad as my picture, uh, I started the race, and by myself I ran for just over about 21 hours doing the course as directed, so the Uh, I followed the same exact format, you know, the same penalties, the same uh, path, same obstacles, all the same stuff. Uh, So the goal is I just want a comparative performance. So when the actual event goes, which is not until August, I think it's 26th, 27th, it's the end of this month, I can say, you know, if I was at the event, I would have finished placement X, right? So I I can compare my results to the people that were there.
1: Well, most crazy – I want to interject for people because, again, I like to brag how crazy you are. But, I mean, most people think 24-hour event is insane in itself, which it is. But most athletes that are doing these 24-hour events, y'all, are doing them with a couple hundred other people. So, I mean, your 24 hours. you have people running with you or, you know, in the vicinity that are, like, pushing you and pacing you and making you push for a better time. But you – Are doing a 24-hour event by yourself so not only is it crazy that the time but like you actually have to motivate yourself and keep telling yourself to keep going because there's no one else running by you and there's no one else saying hi on course and then the integrity level that I just I love this sport because that's what most of us pride ourselves on you know competitive athletes just integrity and holding yourself to a higher standard and the penalties and mandatory obstacle completion or whatever it is but like You basically had to hold yourself accountable and do everything the right way and penalties, too. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I could actually survive a 24-hour race and if I ever decided to be silly enough to do it by myself, I'd probably get out there and just be like, yeah, okay, no one's watching this penalty. I'm either just going to walk really slow or just skip it. But, I mean, obviously I wouldn't do that, but neither would I do what you do anyways. (laughs) It's like more power to you for completing it, and by yourself, and, I mean, I'm pretty to see in a couple of weeks, like, how your time and everything stands up against the actual event, and then, I mean, you probably would have been faster or better or longer if you'd been with the actual event, so it's going to be really exciting to see.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely, so, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there, it's it's a lot easier when you have other people to talk to, and, you know, engage with, and someone someone that's chasing you, or someone you're chasing to motivate you, versus I'm just kind of cruising out there, and it's like, yeah, a couple of times I was like, "What the hell am I doing?" And then I was like, "Eh, it'll be over in 16 hours. I'll be fine." And I just <laughs> keep, I just keep jogging. Um, so, keep it, it, keep yeah, it was, it was a long day, uh, but like I said, it, you know, 24 hours. I know it sounds, it sounds bad to a lot of people, but it, at, at the same time, you know, like think about what you did, you know, three days ago and how quickly that went by, like. In, the, in, in your lifetime, 24 hours is a very small segment, and I think that's one of the, one of the ways I helped get through it. Uh, if you want to hear more details on like, some of my mental strategies, I was on the Link Endurance podcast with Miles Keller, and we talked a little bit about that. So I'm not going to rehash that stuff here, but uh, go check out Link Endurance and take a listen to that. So I think my performance will be good enough for second place. Uh, I think it will be good enough for a podium finish. I did the event once before in 2000. Fifteen, and did the same number of laps, and I came in second, and I think I was like a uh, two laps ahead of third, and one lap behind first. So I think it'll be good enough for like oh. a you know quote unquote podium finish at the at the race. So. Well, that will
1: be exciting to see. So, so I had so I a little was... bit of a different weekend. <laughs> I wasn't running twenty four hours, <laughs> but I did race again that same weekend. So I guess depending on when this episode comes out, we're talking the weekend of. The last yeah, weekend, I'm,
0: I'm going to push it out tonight because we're we're delinquent on episodes. So
1: oh, awesome. Well, cool. So then, yeah, we're pretty up to date. So this was the last weekend in July. I think uh, July 29th, I believe, was the weekend. Um, I decided to last minute venture to Chicago for Savage Race. Which again, if you've listened to other previous episodes, I love Savage Race. And I, I ran this event in Chicago two years ago and took home the axe. And I remember that I loved the course because it was super flat. And so after the mountain in Lebanon, I was like, okay, I'm going to get back to a flat course. And here was my other thought, which, again, a lot of people had the same thought. There was a Spartan, I think, NBC, yeah, I think it was Asheville was going on the same weekend. So I was like, okay, there's a Spartan race that everybody's going to be at. I'm going to sneak into Chicago and hopefully have, like, a really good race and hope for, you know, maybe a little cash podium prize or another axe. Well, yeah, little did I know that everybody had the same idea. So teammate Ashley Samples was like, yeah, I'll be there. I was like, okay, great, thanks, appreciate that. <laughs> and then we also had Julie Hortes, who is local to the area, was there because they've done it the past two years. So more and more people kept telling me they were going. I was like, all right, well, then I'm just going to go have fun and, like, see how I do again. I was wanting to see kind of where I stacked up coming off of no training and being back out there with, like, high competitive athletes and see what happened with mandatory obstacle completion. And so I went for it, and I took um, another unplanned event. I got in my car, put in navigation, and it was, like, 10 hours. I was like, oh, man, okay, I didn't really expect that long of a drive. So I showed up late and kind of slept in my car at the venue, um, which was actually really nice. It was gorgeous weather. It was kind of chilly at night. So – the race is held at a, a, like a corn maze. So I think it's like the country's largest cornfield maze.
0: And so that's where- so you, so you went from sleeping in a five-star hotel the week before to sleeping in your car. <laughs> just to collect- Just I, so the I, audience I, is just tracking this. Uh, continue, continue. Yeah, it's
1: the life of OCR. <laughs> so exactly. went from very fancy to my car, which I'm very used to. And um yeah, it was great. Wake up right at, right at registration and- get ready for a race and so it was lots of representation from Wisconsin OCR group um Jordan Bashimi and Jay Flores they were there uh, a lot of MIT family was there um like i said CTG was representing with myself and Ashley um Strength and Speed we had like all the teams representing so it was a good group of people and um Yeah, I mean, y'all have heard about Savage Race, so I don't want to get into all the detail, but take off, and I immediately knew this was going to be, like, too fast of a race for me, and it was one of their shorter ones, too. I think it was only 6.3 miles, and some they usually are closer to the 7, 8-mile mark area, and so I thought, okay, great, you know, really fast, and Julie and Ashley take off in front of me, and a couple other girls pass, and I'm... I'm really good. I try to keep track of my head of my own placement just because my that's my mental thing. And my running, like, I, I need to know where I am. So I'm thinking, like, I start off in, like, top ten, like, eighth or ninth or something. And then I get to a couple obstacles, and I'm just getting more and more excited because I just start picking girls off at obstacles, which Savage Race has some good obstacles that you can do that. Um, so I pick off a few, and I'm thinking, like, sixth or fifth place maybe at this point. Well, and here's what, like, I wasn't, I guess, out of running and racing practice that I lost track of my placement. So I get to, like, the final end, and I'm already looking. I think it was, like, mile four. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this just went by so fast. And crap, I don't have enough time. Like, it's too fast. The girls have got to be at the finish line by now. Like, it was just too short of a race and too fast of competition and flat course. So I'm like, all right, just keep going, Brenna. You know, you could still lose your band or anything can happen. Someone else could have lost their band. And um, they did a good job of stacking some of their harder obstacles with, like, grip strength, none other. So they did uh, Sawtooth, which is their big up-and-down zigzag monkey bars. And I remember stepping up to that, and I think Colossus, their slide, was right before that. And the guy was like, yeah, uh, third place. And I'm just thinking, what? Like, no way. I counted. There was, like, five girls in front of me that I was counting in my head, Julie, Ashley, and a couple of the girls that I recognized. And so I'm like, all right, whatever. This person's crazy. And so then go down the slide and get to Sawtooth. And a girl, cannot remember her name, but um, she got third place with me two years ago. So we started chit-chatting. It's like, oh, hey, good to see you. And we walk up to Sawtooth, exact same like we did la- the two years ago. And they're like, third and fourth place female. I'm like, what? Okay, well, this is weird. Well, maybe they're right because is the second person. So then I start just like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, I was not expecting to be anywhere close to a podium. So third place, sweet. So we go through Sawtooth, and then um, the girl drops back a little bit behind me. So I'm like, okay, I'm I'm now not tied for third. I'm in third. And then that was followed by, they had this new, I don't know if it was, like, just for Chicago or what, but it um, was a monkey bars that, like, was on an incline, and then you had to traverse to a horizontal pipe that was on, like, a decline. And so get through that. And then immediately after that was their gosh darn awful twirly bird, which – um, poor Ashley, she had like a 10 minute lead or something and was in like top 10 overall first place when she got to Twirly bird. and I heard she was stuck there, but I don't know if you know Twirly bird. it's like, um, a bunch of ropes bunched together and then like a single hold grip and then ropes and they alternate through that. There might be like 10 of them. And so I go through that and my arms are just pumping, like my forearms were just sh- gas everything i couldn't believe i was like are you kidding me why do they have this right here and so i get through that on my first try after like hanging on for dear life i had to swing and kick the bell and i kept telling myself i was like they made the bell higher i could barely kick it and i was making excuses already as i was going and um (laughs) so i meant yay and they had two obstacles left and (laughs) this stupid obstacle called teeter tube was in the exact same place it was, and it almost cost me the axe in first place that time. So I get in this tube, and it's, like, a big culvert, like, 24-foot tube, and it's, like, basically a seesaw, teeter-totter, and you have to start it down the ground, climb up in it, and then you find the, like, tipping center fulcrum point, and it just shoots you, you, like, slide face-first or however out the other end. So I get in it, and you're still wet from the slide that we went down. And I remember I was climbing up it, and I have to, like, inchworm. People say every person hates this. Well, not everyone. A lot of people complain about it because it's just awkward, and it's cost people money and placement. And, like, I have to push my back up on the top and then inch my arm. And as soon as I, like, lower my back, I start sliding back an inch. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, 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 go forward. And at one point, this girl comes up behind me, to my tube, and I was like, you have to get your own tube or wait for me to finish because, like, she's about to get in it, and it's, like, one at a time type of thing. And it did register in my head that she wasn't the girl that, like, I remember being behind me. So I just, I kind of, like, played it off, and I just thought, she must not have her band anymore. I'm like, whatever. So I go through the tube, and I struggle, and I get out, and I get to their last, like, mad ladders, which is, um like, a cargo net on a horizontal and a couple other, like, hanging ladders that you go through. And I'm going through it, and there's a couple people cheering, and no one's really yelling anything at me, like, go, Brenna, go, Brenna, she's on you, blah, blah, blah. And I finish, and this girl, like, I just kind of barely see her, like, get off the ladders right in front of me, and I don't even think about it, and I'm, like, running, and I cross the finish line, dying. I was like, oh, my gosh, so how was that? And they said fourth, and I was like, what? And I look up, and I was like, to her, And I point, and the girl that passed me, still had her band, and just, I mean, she must have kicked it into high gear at the end, because we looked at our time splits, and I had no idea, like, I don't know where she came from, but, I mean, so this is competitive athlete in me, like, yes, fourth place, amazing, it was my first real highly competitive race back, but I could not be more disappointed in myself and heartbroken that I lost third place in podium and prize and everything because of a darn teeter tube. <laughs> I've still I've still been whining about this thing, and, like, I went up to Bo, their, like, director, and I was just like, can you get rid of this darn obstacle because it has given me issues twice now. So you're fourth place, but, oh, my gosh, boo, boo, because I always say, like, second and fourth are really hard places because second is, you know, dang, you just missed first, and then fourth place is, like, shit, you just missed the podium, and boom. Yeah. So I got these five by-
0: 30 seconds again <laughs> i agree I, every time i get third i'm super happy i'm like yeah third place all right and first i'm super happy second is always like ah oh, if only you know x y or z you know i could <laughs> have i, I could have won that's what yeah it's, I we were talking about that.
1: the people said they like talked with like olympians and i guess you know olympians that have the silver medal versus the gold like bronze medal Apparently, the people at bronze medal are way happier than the silver medal. And it's just so, like I said, whatever, I'm being nitpicky, but that's, you know, my own competitive side there. So I basically immediately got on the phone and called my boyfriend, Tracy, and was like, okay, we are building teeter tube, as in we're just going to stick a tube on a wall, and I'm going to get really wet and try to climb up it because I have two more, maybe three more Savage Races that I'm trying to squeeze in this year, and I'm determined to not let that tube get the best of me again. And that's why the beauty of the sport. I love this sport because I mean, first of all, I didn't expect to be in that placement. You never know what's gonna happen and a hundred yards from the finish line, it can all just like slip out of your hands over either a really, really hard obstacle or the the most silliest maybe doesn't look hard technique wise, but is awkward. So yeah, that's how Savage Chicago wins.
0: And <laughs> that's one of the things I not that uh, it's great for you, but that's one of the things I love about obstacle course racing. Right, the race is not over until it's over. So in a in a regular road race, you know, you look at the placement on you know the, your average road race. Not talking, I'm not talking Olympic level here, right? The average road race, you look at the placements at the halfway point on like a 5k or a 10k. That's the placement of the finishing order at the end. It, it there's not going to be like a catastrophic breakdown on a, on a race that short. Versus yeah. obstacle course racing. People get stuck at obstacles, they lose their band, they, you know, they whatever. So the the placements change drastically sometimes. And I know I've had an argument with, you know, going back to the mandatory obstacle completion. You know, I've heard, I've heard people like, oh, but then the, you know, the fastest runner is, is not necessarily going to win. And I'm like, yeah, that's what makes it interesting with mandatory obstacle completion because someone who's in 15th place – you know, if the first 14 men or women get stuck someplace and the 15th place person blows through them, that's interesting. I think that creates dynamic, interesting stories for uh, television or radio or
1: Well, and that's podcasts, what it was. Whatever. But third place girl, Frederica, Frederica from Canada, that's fuzz. I mean, we went back, a couple of us, and we like, looking at the split times that they, like, had from obstacles. And, like, she just was way back there. And then she just, you know, like – People were getting stuck, and again, poor Conquer the gauntlet Pro team at that race, Ashley you know went from very well off in first to a very close battle. I mean it they did like awesome live coverage as always, and you can see Ashley's battle with Julie to wind up in second place and of course, you know Ashley and Ashley both afterwards are like, "Oh, like both of us are in that terrible position, but both very thankful and very happy and blessed <laughs> to be able to be like that, but it was. Bittersweet, but super exciting. So I immediately went to their little like Savage Race has a deal where if you buy, you can purchase like a future race code, and it's cheaper when you do it at an event. So I immediately went up there. and was like, all right, I'm buy me, give me a code because I'm I'm coming back, I'm doing another. And so, yeah, that's that's how that went.
0: <laughs> and a Shout out to Ashley too, who's been crushing it this season. She's yeah. she's used to being on the top step of the podium. She I think she had a lot of seconds this year. But she also just had a baby, so uh, when we interviewed her in episode two, she's like, I'm going to take it easy and ease my (laughs) way back into the sport, and she has not been doing that and still expecting the same top-level performance, and she has moved down basically one placement. Um, So, Ashley, if you're listening, you're still doing great. You're still crushing it. Uh, Stick with it, and you will be back where your normal spot is in no time. So. Oh, yeah,
1: and that's what I'm going to share a little, like, pro team secret that we have. I mean, we share, like, all of our details together, and I told Ashley she was bumming about, you know, her placement, and I said, whatever, you're amazing, because as a team, this is how it's beautiful, because we push one another, like, we're friends friends and teammates, but I told Ashley, I was like, you are still, my goal is, Ashley, I'm going to, my goal is to catch Ashley. Like, might not be first place, but I want to beat Ashley in a race. Like, I beat her once, and that was back in, like, 2014, Battlefrog, when they did the 5K in Miami, and I don't think really anybody knew who Ashley was, but I beat her in, like, podiums, and I think she took third. And she's like, yeah, you beat me that one time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that doesn't count. You know, now you're, like, a badass, so now I'm going to beat you. And then her response, which I just love it, she goes, well, that's your goal. She's like, my goal is to not let you. I was like, oh, well, shit, okay. (laughs) So we have friendly rivalry and competition, and – I don't know if I can do it, but that's my goal, and her goal is to hold me off. So we'll see who wins.
0: <laughs> Great. Uh, so we, uh, we're kind of running out of time at this point. So we're going to skip CTG Iowa and come back to it at a later time, maybe after we after CTG Tulsa. You're going to Tulsa, right? Yeah. Runna- yeah. Okay. I, I will not be there. I'll be at Toughest Chicago. But, oh
1: cool! So then we can talk about CTG and toughest. Woo!
0: Yeah, so we'll hit up CTG Iowa when we talk about CTG Tulsa and toughest Chicago. Um, but the who short knew, recap is... Who it,
1: knew you and I would ramble on and on? I mean, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> so the, the short, the short recap is Brenna won. I came in seventh, which I was very happy with, considering I just done a twenty-four hour event the week before. So I was. <laughs> I was more than pleased with that performance. Uh, my legs just would not turn over as fast, right? Like your body takes the time, some time to recover from that stuff. And I love Conquer the Gauntlet, and it's it was like three hours away. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go anyway. Just chalk it up as a – I'm still going to run Elite, obviously, and try my best, but kind of chalk it up as a fun race ahead of time. And uh, that's what it turned into. So great seeing everyone out there. And then we also got to run a, another lap of the course with uh, Steve Richardson and uh, Trevor and Brian Boone and a bunch of new OCR athletes, which is super cool. So we got to introduce—I know the actual group was probably like four or five women, but there was a, probably like another like dozen people who were just tagging along—and we got to introduce them to the sport of obstacle course racing and show them the obstacles and um, when we you know, going into the obstacles, the occasion we hit one, they'd be like, oh, well, this is, you know, there's no way, absolutely no way, and then they would, then they would do it, which is always cool to see someone kind of overcome that, and by the end of the event, they were like, oh, yeah, when, you know, when's your next, when's the next event, when can we do another race, you know, they're like, oh, we want to, we want your book, and blah, 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 and I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool, so.
1: Well, that, so, like, rounding this episode back to the beginning of the episode is, That right there is, like, why I wanted to get back to competing and racing. Like, I got to compete and, yeah, win, woohoo! but then went for the last wave and got to introduce new people to the sport. And, I mean, again, like, you and I, everything we do, we do our competitive side for our own benefit, but then most of what we do for the community is just to spread the love and everything about the sport, and we got to do that with a whole new group of people. And so we can go into all those details later and talk about that, and it was just really rewarding in itself.
0: Absolutely. So before we take off, any uh final shout outs you want to give Brenna?
1: Um, I mean mainly from this episode and everything, my biggest shout out right now and I couldn't I'm still like on a high from it, is um the Hannibal race, Amin and Kareen and their family and their workers and crew and everything. My I just so much gratitude and appreciation and respect for them and taking care of us. Um, so my shout out goes to the Lebanese and their o c r community so thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for um taking us in. We now have friends that you know' we're, i get comments from still daily now ever since we left on American race photos and so it's I love it. It continues to grow and it would't have had that experience if it weren't for hannibal race so thank you shout out to that
0: yeah, I definitely second that It definitely makes the world a little bit smaller so i yeah I've gotten comments on my pictures and stuff like that since then also. Uh, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to two things. One, since I moved back to the Kansas City, I made contact with Folds of Honor, their uh, charity that I raised money for for OCR America last year. So their charity uh, collects money and gives scholarship to children whose parents were wounded or killed in action. And I think the coolest thing about them is – so. If you actually look into charity organizations, there's different percentages that actually get to the cause, right? So if if you give money to, I'm not going to name another charity because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but <laughs> you can look them up online. If you give money to other charities, sometimes you know, like only twenty cents of your dollar is actually making it to the actual cause. The rest of it's going to operating costs and all this other uh, BS. Folds of Honor gives ninety one percent of your dollar. So every 91 cents of every dollar goes to the actual – it ends up in some kid's scholarship fund, which is awesome. Uh, That's why I chose them for OCR America and raised a couple thousand dollars for them. But I recently made contact with the Kansas City chapter since I moved back here. Not sure where that's going to lead in the future, but hopefully I'll be doing some more fundraisers for them. So if you are looking to donate some money to a charity this year, I would definitely hit up Folds of Honor. They do great work. Um, They were very easy to work with for OCR America. And I think I'm a big fan of their cause, obviously, so yeah. shout out to them they gave me they gave me a sweet jacket uh this past weekend too also
1: yeah check out was that on um, your facebook or Instagram post
0: yeah, it's on my instagram um which is cool'cause I didn't have any of the, I didn't have any merch for them that I, I i haven't been able well actually there are there are logos on the back of the o c r America shirts so that's really the only piece of like uh way I've been representing them and then the other one was there was recently the world's toughest mutter community raffle. So, world's toughest mutter, their community online and Facebook raises money for a good cause every year. Uh, this year, Ian Panter, one of the toughest mutter community guys, uh, was involved in a car accident leaving a tough mutter event uh, before he was going to run toughest Philadelphia, I believe. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, it was tough- it was right before Philly because I was there for that.
0: Okay, I'm not positive. I don't know I think you're right. I think it was Philly. Yeah. Yes, it was Philly, right? Okay, because I did Midwest Mayhem the weekend after, um, and I I'd written uh, "Running for You" on my back. That's okay, that makes sense. Anyway, they instead of raising money for a charity this year, they raised money for his medical bills. Um, so they ended up raising like five thousand plus dollars. And what was really great though was the OCR community came together and donated these prizes to this great cause. So. Uh, there's a ton of gift cards from Amazon, GNC, and World's Toughest Mudder bags, and two free race entries um, to World's Toughest Mudder, which is obviously very expensive. Yeah. Let's see. Um,
1: Conquer
0: the Gauntlet. Us, yeah, us, uh, Conquer the Gauntlet and David Main Prize donated a free race entry, so I thought that was awesome, Crossing Brands, right? ACR that, United. ACR United, that's right. Um, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team donated uh, Harbinger Fat Grips, so those... Uh, Pat Bar Training Tools, and I donated and Slash Strength and Speed donated a couple of books. So uh, congratulations to everyone that won, and um, great job in that community in general, and hopefully that was helpful for the, to cover some of his medical bills. So,
1: Very very proud to be a part of this community and all that that entails with great causes like that. So very glad we could do that and give back, and um Yeah feels was like, "This is a wrap, man! We got a good episode."
0: <laughs> yeah, and we got some, we got some good content coming your way. I have interviews essentially lined up every day this week, so hopefully none of them get canceled. Uh, I already had uh, one get canceled last night, Brenna. Um, Sorry.
1: So I'm gonna try and be a part of them, guys. But I did just get two jobs, so now I'm double employed, and we will see how that goes with scheduling. So I'm not gonna take away from Evan and the great content that we'll be bringing you. And I will jump in as soon as I can and when I can. So stay tuned, everybody, and keep listening and downloading.
0: Yep, we got a, we got a female powerlifter coming up. We have a female ultracyclist. Hopefully I'm going to get Rob Butler from Shell Hell on here. Amy Pagic, American Ninja Warrior slash Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team. Uh, Lucas, we're going to record his episode soon but not air it uh, due to some television stuff that he was recently on that we can't, talk, we can't actually air until that airs on TV. So lots of good stuff coming in from, Con- from 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 Strength and Speed. I was about to say Conquer the Gauntlet. There's also a lot of good stuff coming from Conquer the Gauntlet. That too.
1: That too. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. And, again, we really appreciate it and keep sharing with your friends. We love getting to a race. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I listened to your podcast. And it's, it's just rewarding because we hope you all are enjoying it as much as we are. So thank you.
0: All right, we will uh, see you next week.